And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hi, Sam. Hello, Joe. How are you? You were just telling me a really funny story about something that happened yesterday. Was I? <laughs> did I work uh, that in organically? Was that, well, I, <laughs> is that what you were looking I, for? Yeah, you did. Well, <laughs> okay, well, uh, yeah, that's exactly it. Saboteur. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is my show now, Joe. <laughs> I was driving to my my studio, which is a humble brag, to work on something yesterday, and I thought, I'm going to listen to a little bit of uh, Sam's stand-up. So I just asked Siri to play some Sam talent. And she played some Sam Talent, and it was a country western song. Yeah, I know. That guy hates my search engine optimization domination. <laughs> and we had just an hour before emailed about you providing me with some music. Oh. <laughs> I, for one second, thought that it was 
joke country. And halfway through it, I was like, wait, this, I was driving, so I couldn't fully investigate. I was not 100% sure that it wasn't you because the lyrics were fucking hilarious. Yeah. No, that guy's, uh, that guy's solid, actually. I've uh, also stumbled across him while uh, searching for shit on Spotify or whatever, or just, you know, trying to buy websites. Yeah. It's good. Plug, uh, shout out to Sam Town. He does like tears in my beers kind of country. It's not bad. Yeah. She's Home is the song I heard. She's <laughs> Home. Hey, everyone, pause this and go put on She's Home by the other Sam Talent. <laughs> That's got great art, too. Um, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm very well. I'm back home in my house. Just walked my dog. Where's home? Uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, north of Denver. That's where the Descendants started, right? No, no, they started in California, but uh, Bill Stevenson's up here, Blasting Room's up here. He recorded a bunch of cool music, and uh, he's been always he's been very nice to like local punk bands and stuff. That's nice. Of course, I was joking. I know where the Descendants are from, man. Well, I don't know, man. How I you... know you don't know, but I uh, he's my favorite drummer. I met him in Omaha, Nebraska when I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't a don't meet your heroes thing, but who knows what I said to him, but I pissed him off. Oh, yeah, that's easy to do. He's kind of a crotchety old guy. Yeah. He's like, he would be very at home tinkering in some kind of workshop, which is why I think he loves being in the studio so much, because mm-hmm. he has like a position of control, but also he's doing something creative. Great drummer. My favorite Black Flag drummer for sure. Um, yeah. My favorite drummer of all time is probably George Hurley from uh, Minutemen, but yeah, Bill Rules. Yeah. When people ask me who my favorite drummers are, it's usually George, then John Bonham. I have to rescind my previous statement. Uh, Brian Chippendale is my favorite drummer from Lightning Bolt. He's the best drummer oh, ever. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's, There's no better. That's bonkers stuff. I know. They're my favorite band. Uh, and I wrote most of my first book like listening to Lightning Bolt very loud in the Nevada desert. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Just blasting fucking Lightning Bolt. <laughs> Smoking cigs, drinking coffee, you know? Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was good. I think I thanked them in my book, actually. Did you get to see them very much? Yeah, I've seen them three times in Denver, and I saw them once in, I think it was Pittsburgh. But yeah, Jesus Christ, what a religious experience they are. I know. I'm with you. So you're in Fort Collins. How's it feel in Fort Collins? Did the downtown die like Seattle and Portland? Is it all boarded up and spray-painted up? No, no, it's uh, it's thriving. There's still Christmas lights up. I mean, oh, downtown okay. Fort Collins is like maybe eight blocks, you know? It's like right akimbo to the school there. But no, I lived in Denver forever, and I love Denver. But Fort Collins has a nice like kind of, you know, laid-back college feel. It's a nice yeah. place to be quiet and creative. So you grew up in Denver. Did you grow up skateboarding? No, I grew up on the eastern plains of Colorado, actually. I grew up in a town hmm. of like less than 1,000 people. But I grew up hanging out with skateboarders. I lurked uh, very aggressively because the skate park yeah. was the hub of all deviants in uh, my very small hometown. So, yeah, lived with skateboarders, huge fan of uh, PJ Ladd and the early Baker films. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Yeah. Well, you know, you can wor- just as easily wear out your butt from the grip tape on your skateboard as you can your shoes. Oh, yeah. No, I never even owned Oh, you didn't even have one. I had one for a minute. My mom took me skateboarding in like fifth grade. She took me to the elementary school. She patted me up, gave me a helmet. You know, I, I, at this point, I was probably five foot ten and two hundred and forty pounds in fifth grade. Like I was huge. <laughs> wow. So uh, yeah, my relationship with gravity's always been pretty uh, tenuous. So no, I was never good at skateboarding, man. I wanted to be. Yeah. Admire the culture. Well, there's still time. No, there's not. It's all over, brother. <laughs> 
<laughs> these these old bones are too brittle to be bashed. So in the last couple of years, I'm sure you were forced to stay home. What did you do to keep yourself sane? Get any good habits? Any bad habits? Um, I, I mean, the first year, I was packaging and shipping books for like the first half of it. Because March, what, 2020, got off the road on the 17th, like the last day America was still open. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was like, fuck, all my gigs are canceled for the next three months. So that's when I decided to self-publish the book and put out the book and then packaged and shipped. But yeah, man, I was eating healthy. I wasn't drinking as much as I do on the road. Uh, you know, I recently quit cigarettes. It's been it's been very good. All right. Yeah. Are you one of those people that were able to take a step back from your vocation and look at it and discover whether it was the right thing for you or not? Oh, yeah. For sure. It was very good because Great. I've just been like a hamster in a wheel since I was 18. Yeah. You know, like I was always afraid to turn down gigs because back in the day I wasn't being offered these gigs. So now I just like took everything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, not being able to do it. And also the lack of competition because that's why I never wanted to stop doing stand up so aggressively because if you weren't doing it, other people were getting better. But since like every comic everywhere wasn't working, there wasn't this pressure to like, you know, be out there uh, sharpening my blade. Right. You know? That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. So it was great, dude. I've never slept in my bed as much as I did those, you know, 18 months um, yeah. since I was like 18. Yeah. You know, me and my wife, turns out we really love each other. And it's not just like, you know, Man. the fact that I'm gone a lot that helps us, you know, right? like that does help for sure. But like being with her, you know, my mom and dad were around a lot, you know, just it was cool. It was cool to be like a husband and a son and a brother for a while instead of like a comedian. Yeah. You didn't become a dad in that time? No, God, no. That's a personal question. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. I'm wide open. But yeah, no, I'm trying to uh, keep that from happening for as long as possible. Oh, you are? Yeah. Why? Uh, I mean, I, I feel my, my wife and I will be good parents. My father will be a good grandfather. He'll, the child will have a good support network. But like, I have a lot of work I want to do. And I'm also very yeah. like selfish and irresponsible. Yeah. So uh, I'm afraid that, you know, I mean, I, I would I would be able to give myself over to the child, but I don't want to be begrudging. You know? Sure. I understand. Yeah. I, for some reason, imagined that you you had a child or two. You seem like you might be a good dad. Yeah, no, I think I will excel at fatherhood. But uh, since my wife and I got together, we've been shackled to her becoming a doctor and now being a doctor. Yeah. Oh. So, like, all of our decisions for the last, I don't know, six or seven years have been based on where she goes to med school and then where she got into residency. So when her residency is up next year in June, it's like, okay— You've been working your ass off. Let's go live a little bit, you know? Like, let's go to Barcelona for six months. Like, let's get the fuck out and spend some of this money we've been making. Um, yeah. And I don't want a child to hamper that uh, ability. Yes. God, that's a poignant reason for not wanting to have a child right now. And she fluctuates, man. Like, my wife's very, um, she's very practical. You know, my wife mm -hmm. is not a reader of literature, and she's like, uh, she doesn't love uh, art the way that uh, I assume you and I both do, but like she's very uh, empathetic and she cares a lot. And she wasn't prone to doom scrolling. Like I don't know if you do that, where you're just like, okay, so the the, the you know the oceans are heating up, all the fish are gonna oh, die. Yeah. yeah. Like we don't have uh, much time left. But for some reason, like as since she's become a doctor, she's become much more aware of like you know just how like fickle the uh, you know our organism are, is on this earth. So she's like, yeah, what's the point of fucking doing anything right now? Like, like let's have kids so they can, uh, you know, be involved in water wars and, like, trade their bodies right. for salt. It's like, yeah, you know, let's just, or we could just, like, not, uh, you know, and, like, she's like, who's going to take care of us when we're old? And it's like, all the money we save not having children. What are you talking about? <laughs> Maybe our friends that we still have because we didn't, you know, we weren't widowed by being uh, parents. 
Actually, don't do a novel next time. Let's. Why don't you do a self-help book? I think you got it. <laughs> no, very short. Man. I barely have anything figured out. Um, <laughs> and also, these conversations are always like they end up very heavy. Like, like we don't argue ever, but when it comes to the the kid conversation, it's always like, yeah. Well, dinner's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have had this conversation during happy hour. Everyone's looking. <laughs> oh. Um, so it looks like from scrolling the internet, you have been touring a little bit. How is it out there? It's great, man. Does uh, it feel any different? Well, it feels, I don't know. Right when I was getting back on the road after things were opening up, it felt like a political act, which I don't fucking like to ever be involved in. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like the people who were going to shows were the people who, uh, uh, hated wearing masks and, um, they didn't like their liberties being, uh, you know, stepped on. So it's yeah. like the crowds I was performing for early when I got back out there were people who were, um, I don't know, I maybe lacked the empathy that my typical crowds do. I occupy a really weird space in comedy where, like, you know, like fans of mine are fans of like Chris Gethard and Shane Gillis. Like, I kind of like cross over between the alt rooms and the club rooms. So it, it was just, it was a lot more one sided than the typical, like, you know, kind of soft people who come out and want to talk about Jawbreaker after the shows. Yeah. Compared to the other people who want to, like, shotgun a beer with me. And I like having both sides of those, uh, of that coin. But uh, right. it was a lot more of like the I took my four wheeler here type crowd. And also the shows were in, like, Wyoming and they were in South Dakota and they were in, like, more rural areas because they were more uh, eager to open up than uh, some of the big cities and shit. Right. You get to be closer to your crowd. Uh, I was not able to. I did tour a little bit in August and September, bigger outdoor shows opening for a bigger yeah. band. Uh, yeah. So I didn't really interface with, with anyone. I stood by the bus and played pickleball after the show. That's all. See, that's healthy, though. That's a lot better than because I was out there trying to fucking sell my merch till. Yeah. You know? When you're in, you're in like, I was in like, what, Sheridan, Wyoming, and I'm at the merch table wearing a mask, and people are just coming up and being like, you can take that off, pussy. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. all right, well, I'm not selling a book to you. I literally <laughs> felt situations where I knew I wasn't going to sell a book because I had a mask on. Right. Like, I was losing merch sales because these, like, you know, trumped up cowboys were like, oh, man, I thought you were funny, but hell, you seem like a real coward off the stage. And it's like, all right, thanks for coming, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the roast beef. <laughs> But I've recently been opening for a big, like I'm opening for Tim Dillon now, um, mm-hmm. and he's doing theaters. So I think that we have a very like, uh, it's probably the same similar situation where you're out opening for a larger band. I've been out opening for, uh, you know, a, a big theater act now, and that's been fun because there's like no pressure compared to headlining. Right. Yeah. Featuring's the best job in comedy. What is the best job? Featuring, like, so you have the host who does all the work, and then you have the feature who goes up after the host, and then you have the headliner who everyone's there to see, and they, like, have to do a good job to impress their fans. But typically the feature is someone that the people who are there have never heard of. So, like, if you do a good job, they're, like, very pleasantly surprised. And if you do a bad job, they don't care because they forget about you when the headliner comes on. I've been confused about that. For some reason, I thought Mark Marin taught me the headliner was in the middle. Um, they do it weird in like Canada and like the UK, but no, headliner's the the last name, the last guy on the bill, and like everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just recently I was listening to something. I was like, wait, did he just say the headline? Someone was headlining but playing in the middle. I don't know all those terms. Middling, featuring. Middling is featuring. Those are synonyms. Um, host and MC are synonyms. Yeah, headliner is pretty. You know, it's a bunch of fucking dumb jargon. Well, there's obviously a million similarities between rock and roll touring and uh, stand-up touring. Yeah. The big difference is 
most likely I'm surrounded by a, a bunch of people and most likely you're by yourself. I'm sure mm-hmm. you've done both. I'm sure you've toured with sat in the van with other comedians and stuff. Well, I, I came from hardcore. Like I was in bands first before. That's how I learned how to tour was from oh. like that DIY, like book your own fucking life type shit. Yeah. What were your bands? Yeah. I was in a band called Red vs. Black, which were pretty much uh, an amalgamation of, like, Lightning Bolt and Minutemen. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we only played DIY shows. We didn't play places where they, you know, we played house shows. We played, like, uh, all those fucking, like, twee venues that were around. And I loved it, man. I was uh, really grateful for it. But, like, we, you know, we never, like, uh, moved any tickets. <laughs> Bands liked us. But then... Uh, one of my favorite memories, I'm sorry, I, I ramble when I get to talk about the music. Go ahead. Well, it's just like I was in it with this this dude, Clay DeHaan, who was my best friend growing up. And he learned how to play bass along to me playing drums. Like, he learned how, like, based on my, like, weird, you know, uh, t- tendencies as a drummer. So we were locked in. We were best friends. It was a real, like, romance uh, platonically. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, like, we would roll into places, and it would be, you know, like, the Meat Locker in Montclair, New Jersey. <laughs> sure, yeah. And every kid in there is dressed like they're in the casualties. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the first band goes out and, you know, ups the punks, and then the next band goes out there and oys for 30 minutes. And then we go on, and uh, I come out wearing, like, a denim shirt that said Legacy Academy because my dad <laughs> gave it to me, and, like, swim trunks. And then Clay would come out wearing, like, a wife beater and basketball shorts. Oh. And then we'd play this, like very sincere loud aggressive fast music like 30 songs in like 35 minutes type shit no don't talk to the crowd just like really sst shit like very much inspired by all like you know all those bands and people would just be looking at us like who the fuck are these people like it was it was as if we were undercover you know like it was a very deep sting operation to uh see if they were selling booze to underage kids (laughs) in some you know warehouse in west virginia and uh no one knew what to do with us like they respected what we were doing and we were trying very hard and eventually they would start dancing but afterward like we weren't talking to girls you know no one was coming up and asking us anything it was just (laughs) like okay those weirdos are done let's get the fallout boy cover band on right yeah those were fun times man i had uh Similar. I was in kind of an art rock noise band, and we'd jump on bills with often a crust punk band at that mm-hmm. time in Minneapolis, and it would be like no one gave a fuck about <clears throat> the art rock band. They're all there yeah. to see the crust punk band. Yeah, I saw Cursive open for Mastodon one time, and it was a total <laughs> bloodbath. <laughs> it was like I had to leave the room because I felt so bad for Cursive. <laughs> uh, well, so when you finally did tour as a comedian yeah were you were you by yourself and like what's that what's that like i mean i'm asking for myself mostly yeah very early on in my career it was uh i didn't have a car yet so i would like fly into a place and then take the greyhound or bolt bus or mega bus between cities and so it was like being alone but you're surrounded by like uh you know loners and uh drifters at the sure. same time yeah and then you're always sleeping as you know like at a stranger's house and probably inconveniencing their girlfriend or boyfriend um, right so yeah i mean it is uh it is a lot lonelier than being out in the band and also it's cool in, in the band because you have this like common shared goal that's right you know yeah and uh when you're alone it's just like it's like literally no one knows if you're alive or dead for 23 hours out of the day yeah. And then you show up to the venue and uh, pace nervously because you're worried no one's going to arrive. And you're dealing with that all on your own. You're not at least making right. fun of it with your fellow bandmates. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, if I were, if I made the transition to traveling by myself, 
I think I would miss sharing regional snacks. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%, dude. Hitting the Casey's Pizza with the boys? Yeah. It's the best. When you have like $8 total to spend on four people? Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very creative solutions. Uh, you know, covering for someone so they can chug a beer in the bathroom? Like, oh, yeah. All I miss, I miss yeah. that, that savage yeah. pirate shit that we were, <laughs> we were into. I usually try and bring a feature with me now just because... Uh, a, I like having a friend out with me, and also like I have like a very deep uh, fear of uh, having some kind of embolism alone in a hotel room. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I like to have a feature with me, and that's uh, that's always fun, you know. Do you tell them that ahead of time? Do you make them sign a contract? They got to watch you a little bit. No, I mean I should. <laughs> I should have some kind of like NDA. Uh, Until I'm it, asleep, you're awake. Yeah, and make sure it's the right sleep. Exactly. <laughs> I've chilled out on the boozing, but like I was out in uh, Illinois last the weekend before, and my friend was opening for me, and he's he's expecting a child, and he was really tying it on tight and hanging it up loose, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was uh, it was he was a bit of a handful, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I do. Um, it, it, well, the worst part is, is when you bring like a young. I like to bring like a young comic with me sometimes, you know, because it's fun, and I you know they keep me like from being jaded. But when you bring out someone and they're complaining instead of making it funny and you're like, yeah, dude, I know I was there and I had to do double the time you did. And like I was the one who booked and promoted the show. Like, yeah, I know it was a massive failure. I'm well aware. Let's goof around. Let's not fucking dwell on this thing. Jesus. Like I had a guy used to open for me and he kind of uh, let his dark passenger take over. So we no longer really work together too much because it was just so it was a nego prison, man. I couldn't I couldn't get out. (laughs) Um, well, speaking of, uh, dark figures and touring, running the light is fucking great, man. Thank you, Joe. I've read it twice, but the funny thing about me reading it twice is I haven't finished it. Interesting. I haven't finished, uh, 80%. Okay. Um, and the reasons are boring. I started the book on tour and I, I didn't finish the book. Mm-hmm. And now I'm listening to the audiobook, which I will finish. Man, I recommend the audiobook, by the way, to anyone listening. It's fun. I'm, I'm not an audiobook guy, but it was fun. Yeah, man, I feel like people, like I'm not an audiobook guy either, and people who don't typically read audiobooks are enjoying my version of the book. Yeah. Um, because it is kind of like, you know, there's like a different narrator for every chapter and varying qualities of sound recording on each chapter uh, because yeah. they all did me a favor. Right. Um, so I couldn't be like, hey, this sucks, redo it. But... um. I appreciate that. But people who love audiobooks are like, man, this is like kind of uh this could have been done better. It's like, yeah, yeah I know. I know. No, I, I, I didn't even notice. And I'm an audio engineer at times. Oh, right. On. Wait, that. Wait for the last chapter. Okay. It's a well, maybe debacle. that's why. Maybe that's why I didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, you know, we're, we've covered all these universal patterns of comedian and rock and roll touring. Um, but there's this one passage early in the book that I've read a million times now, but when I first read it, it really caught my attention because it reminded me of something from my early touring days. Do you mind reading this little section here? I got it right here. And I must say that I'm really stoked that you uh, picked out this part because uh, when I was like first writing this book, I wrote this couple paragraphs, and there was a moment of like, oh, wow, maybe I actually can write, you know? Like, oh, really? Uh, Yeah, like when I... uh, Here, I'll read it real quick, and then we can talk about it. 
Four hours after leaving Tucumcari, he arrived in Trinidad, Colorado, and found a park near a river to get out and stretch his legs. He removed his boots and socks and locked his bankroll in the trunk and walked down to the water in his bare feet, concealing a beer in his pocket. He'd been slipped a joint the night before, and while he wasn't big on dope, he figured with four hours between him and showtime, he had nothing better to do than get a little stoned. Part of the job was killing daylight. Spending too much time in a hotel room gave him a caged, static feeling that reminded him of jail. Boardwalks, movie theaters, shopping malls. In these places, he whittled the excess hours off his days. But given the option, he preferred parks for the lack of crowds and the low price of admission and because he could loiter and smoke cigarettes and drink liquor from bound bags. In the shade of a scabrous ponderosa, the bark cracked and eaten up with blight, he sat down and lit the joint and sank into the listless afternoon. The smoke was dense and smelled like gasoline and turned the water of the purgatoire complex and beautiful. The river seemed alive somehow, sentient, the skin rippling and flashing like melted sunlight, a single-purposed organism built of liquid glass, pulsing and reptilian, like a great blue snake shouldering the banks as it raked its belly along the riverbed. For a while he became preoccupied in his mind with the pronunciation of the word salamander, repeating it to himself until the syllables lost all meaning. He cracked the beer and drank it, and when it was empty, he set an alarm on his phone and took off his shirt and laid down on his belly, stoned and tranquil and drunker than he expected, enjoying the contrast of the cool grass on his skin and the sunlight on his back. In the quiet of the fading afternoon, Billy Ray dozed off into a restless sleep, finding it difficult without a pillow to find a comfortable position and dreaming of a pattern of triangles and squares. At seven, the alarm called him back from wherever we go, and he woke up in the darkness, thirsty and confused, unsure for a moment of his place in the world and who he was in it. He drove to the hotel and checked in. Oh, man. So many great things in that little passage. Thanks, man. It's really beautiful. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I really appreciate that. Uh, and that lets me know that you, I think we, you have probably have similar tastes in literature that I do. Um I was reading, uh, when I wrote this book, I was reading like Blood Meridian and Angels mm -hmm. by Dennis Johnson mm -hmm. and this book, The Dig by Sinan Jones, just because these were books that I knew were like perfect books. And uh, I think that I really uh, encapsulated and amalgamated uh, both Blood Meridian and uh, Angels in those two paragraphs there. Right. I feel that. I mean, the whole thing about the river, dude, like that was one of the things I wrote and I was like, fuck, okay, you're not wasting your time. Like this yeah. sounds good. Um yeah, you know, so much of writing like is like you're you don't know if it's good or bad, but I fucking remember writing that. I remember literally like what was going on. I was listening to Wire. I, I just ate some like toast with uh, cream cheese on it, and I fucking finished that sentence, and I was like, yes, yes, yeah, very good. That's rad. Um, so again, I it really caught my attention early on, and I I've put myself in that passage so many times because it reminded me of this experience I had in Colorado, I think. Of course, it's likely I'm mixing up a few different memories, but early in my touring days in the 90s, I was driving through Colorado. I think we stopped in Dodge City outside of it. In Kansas? Dodge. Oh, yeah, you're right. So I think we, yeah, Kansas, not Colorado. See, I'm already mixing up the story. Um, that's okay, but Dodge City is very similar to where I grew up. Like, that's like the same kind of like, uh, yeah topography is where i grew up so I'm yeah you. so we were i believe we were outside of dodge city not colorado but kansas um mm -hmm. and we thought it was a park we pulled over it was eight million degrees outside we knew we couldn't get to the venue until seven mm -hmm. and 
So we pulled over. We started eating our leftover food from last night, sweltering van, all the doors open, and everyone starts dozing off. I can't sleep. It's too hot. I pop out of the van. I notice there's like too many chain link fences for a park. And so yeah. I wander up to one and it's pretty tall. And I'm like, oh, there's a bunch of peacocks behind this chain link fence. <laughs> and uh, and I walk a little further and I'm like, oh, there's a monitor lizard inside of a cage, inside of a larger cage, just sitting <laughs> in the sun. <laughs> And then I walk a little further, and there's a large cat. It, was a, it wasn't a cheetah, but it had some sort of spots, and it was a skinny, pacing, panting cat. And I'm realizing that I'm in the back of a zoo that I have wow. somehow walked into. Yes. But there's no one there. I don't think the zoo's open. And at that point in my life, I wouldn't say I was paranoid, but it's like, and the only trouble here, it looks like I just broke into a zoo. So I, mm -hmm. I was just like, this is a bummer. I'm walking away. I yeah. walk back to the van. Everyone's sleeping. I open the door, and there's a warm beer underneath the seat. I see it right when I open the door. And much like smoking that joint, when he was like, eh, I'm not really much into dope. I wasn't really into drinking a hot beer in the middle of the day myself, <laughs> ever. It's not your thing? <laughs> but I was like, let's fucking mix this up, because I got some time to kill. Yeah. Found a one patch of grass on the island in the parking lot drank the beer and fell asleep until dusk awesome on yeah, this patch of grass and woke up and i was just disoriented and like what the fuck just happened i don't even sleep very well in a bed at night it was the strangest situation but it reminded me so much of that yeah dude that's a yeah. beautiful story i feel like uh real road dogs have those stories <laughs> uh i mean this was pretty much like when i was on the road by myself back in the day and i didn't have any money yeah. my whole thing was like find a river find a park you know, I always had weed. I would fucking go without shoes before I'd go without weed. And I uh, just get a little high and, like, read until you fell asleep. And, uh, hey, look, there's three hours of the, this giant void that have been filled. Right. Um, but, yeah, dude, I feel like figuring out how to uh, get rid of all that excess time is a big part of being on the road. Yeah. And, and the other thing, the last thing, I'll stop harping on this passage here, but that notion of cage static in a hotel room. That is something that I encounter every time I walk into a hotel room. I, I pick two times to be in a hotel room, sleeping at night, and then I like to take a nap in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. But I'm, it drives me nuts if I somehow fall asleep in the transition between afternoon and dusk, mm -hmm. and I'm not conscious of the sun going down. Yeah. And that is my relationship with hotel rooms, whether they're super nice or, you know, roach hotels. Yeah. Do you do you have any idiosyncratic habits like that that you've developed from life on the road? Yeah, I mean, that feeling that you just described of going to bed when the sun is up and then waking up when the sun is down and then having to do something is one of my least favorite phenomenon. Uh, yeah. I hate that, dude. Fucking I don't know what it. it is, but waking up at 6.30 is the worst feeling in the world. It's the worst. Yeah, because it's like, oh, fuck, like I have to be on stage in an, like, you know, in an hour or whatever it is. I haven't showered. I'm groggy. I'm stupid. I need to eat something. Like, it's just, it just feels like a, I don't know. It's like a fucking hand just squeezing you. And I yeah. hate that feeling. I, I'm not a big fan of hotel rooms. I mean, if, if I'm staying in Peoria, Illinois, and it's a Red Roof Inn, you really can't walk down the highway to the Cracker Barrel. Yeah. You know, like, that's not the kind of situation I like to be in. But if I'm ever in a situation where I'm in a hotel that's, like, downtown or in, like, a larger city, I love to be outside. I love yeah. to 
put my shit in the room, go out, walk around, find a coffee, find a bookstore, eat like a longer meal, you know, find a park, read in the park. The whole like notion of like, there's a book called The Movie Goer by Walker Percy. And mm. it's just about a guy who likes to walk around. Like the French term is flaneur. It's like a boulevardier. You just like kind of see the world on your feet and, uh, you know, look at how the sun is like hitting a tree or like the uh, the way that like, the light's reflecting off a building. Like there's all these like really cool moments that if you kind of slow down and have literally nothing to do for 22 hours, right? you can take them in. But uh, I don't like being in a hotel in the daytime. It feels like I worked really hard and I always had these romantic notions of like, yeah, when you get out there and you finally get a headline in Minneapolis, like you're going to fucking, you know go out and you're going to uh you're going to see the city and then when you're just like sitting in a hotel you're like fuck why did i work so hard to do this i could have yeah you know i could have just eaten pills and stayed in colorado <laughs> um couple more things on your book is how many billy rays have you known countless is this a collection of all of them yeah for sure there's stories <laughs> ripped from uh there's probably like you know at least five people who there's like versions of stories that i've heard about them or that they've told to me and the best part is like every comic that reads the book will hit me up and be like brother i know this guy <laughs> his name is x and i used to work with him in y and it's like i've never heard of that person but yeah every comic knows at least five versions of this guy that uh typically they open for early in their career or uh the, the person who was like a bully at the local comedy club and yeah, like there's just so many of these fucking relics, these like vestigial tales that haven't fallen off the 90s comedy boom. And uh, they're bone chilling when you're left <laughs> alone with them, man. It really sucks. And typically I do keep saying like men because usually they are men. Right. Like I've, I've, very, I've met very few. There's a, there's a couple like Lori Callahan was a legendary road dog in Colorado and she used to run all the rooms in Wyoming. And I opened for her very early in my career and God bless her. She'd been on the road for 30 years being a woman in comedy in the 80s. Like, she was oh, fucking God. tough as nails, you know? But uh, she definitely liked a couple Percocets and a couple of white wine spritzers. <laughs> and I saw her once. Uh, I think we were in Montana, and she fucking killed. Like, the yeah. first half hour set, of course, she killed. She was, you know, she was nails, dude. And then she, like, they sent a shot to the stage. She took the shot, and then all of a sudden she started over from exactly in the beginning of her set. No way. Yeah, so she did oh, half so of the same set tired. twice, back to back. <laughs> and the crowd loved it. And she was yeah. getting these huge laughs, like bigger laughs than she did the first time. And she didn't really understand why. And she got off stage and she's like, that was a hot one. And I couldn't tell if she was doing a bit or like if uh, that was like some part of her right. artistry. But no, she just like, you know, had a momentary blackout, didn't know where she was and went back into <laughs> muscle memory style, you know, just like missionary style stand up. So uh, there's a bunch of these people out there, man. And I think, you know, there's not like a retirement home for them. Um, yeah. They keep working until uh, they die, typically. You see any signs of uh, Billy Ray in yourself yet? Oh, yeah. That's why. I mean, that's why it was so easy to write this book. Because mm -hmm. it's just like a cautionary tale. It's all the things that I'm terrified of becoming. You know, like, I'm not a cocaine guy. Never been a cocaine guy. I've never uh, committed adultery. I'll do, like I've said on a couple podcasts, the only time I do cocaine is if they're doing it off something cool. Like, you know, like, like one time we did cocaine off like a sigh, you know, like one of those, like what Raphael had. <laughs> yes. So like people were doing cocaine off this like sigh and I was like, well, I want to do cocaine off of a sigh. Like I'll do a bump. That sounds like a fun thing to do. 
But uh, as far as like not eating well, not sleeping enough, drinking sure. like too many fucking Miller Lights, like that's definitely something that I've fallen into and I'm very conscious of uh, trying to avoid now. Yeah. Because I have something to live for now. Like I have a career finally and like I love my wife, you know, and I yeah. have uh, all this stuff. And back in the day it was like, if I live past 30, brother, it's fucking borrowed time. And also the cool thing about being a comic if you die early is everyone says you're really funny. That's like, good. no comic dies at 29, and everyone's like, ah, you know, he wasn't really that good. They're always like, my God, a, a startling voice was stolen too early. So, like, I romanticize that notion to a certain degree early on, too. <laughs> Does Billy Ray look like Walton Goggins with smaller teeth? Not bad. Uh, he, there's more meat on him. I see him as John C. Riley. Oh. Mutton chops, Riley, uh, you know, kind of bulbous, big red nose. But yeah, that I think that Walter is that's that's a real good that'd be great casting. Dude, he's so good. He's so good. Yeah. Well, I see you have a bunch of shows coming up this year. Is it is your twenty two look closer to normal? Does it look pretty full? Yeah, it is full and filling up. I'm going to the UK end oh. of March. Yeah, to open up for that Tim Dillon character. And I think we're going to Australia in May. So, like, I've had all these goals of getting outside of America more, specifically to Europe and Australia. And it mm -hmm. looks like, uh, you know, I spoke those into existence somehow. All right. Yeah, man. Um, I don't think that I really want to be in clubs. I'm getting into the clubs now, like uh, like Helium. And, you know, I'm going up to, I think, I, I might, I'm not sure if I'm going to do Acme, but, like, Comedy on State's coming up in, like, two weeks, you know? And, like, I always wanted to be in these clubs, but I really think I like the idea of doing one show in a city and then moving on. Or maybe, you know, selling out one show and then doing two that night and then moving on. So, yeah, I don't know. It's like uh, I have a lot more options now, and I'm super grateful, but I'm still, like, trying to figure out, like, what I want my uh, tour schedule to look like, I guess. Right. Just being more picky and not just, like, so beholden to any offer. Like, oh, of course I'll come to Petaluma on Saturday, you know? like Yeah. So That's a nice position to be in. No, it is good, dude. And, you know, I've ate a lot of dirt for many years to get to this position, so I'm I'm very grateful for it. Did I just learn that you were a drummer earlier in yeah. this podcast? Okay. Yeah, well, man. I have a one question that's reserved for drummers. Oh, cool. It's a little cheesy because it's a riff off comedians and cards getting coffee, but I, I love that show. Um, Me too. Awesome. Awesome content. If you could go get coffee with any drummer, alive or dead, who would it be? And what car would you choose? Okay. It would have to be Keith Moon or else my father would disown me. It would okay. it had to be Keith Moon and it would have to be in a Volkswagen bus. Oh, really? The magic bus, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, because my dad had one of those buses and, you know, the Who has that song that I, as a kid I fucking loved that song. Yeah. You know, they're on a magic bus. I didn't know what was going on in the bus. I didn't know if everyone was underage on the bus. But, yeah, it would have to be Keith Moon. And I would probably say all of three words and uh, let him do all the talking and just soak it all up, man. Would you drive or would you let him drive? I would drive. He'd be wasted. He'd be pilled up. I would not let him near the wheel. Nowhere near any pools either. Exactly. That's all I know about him driving is that he liked to drive into pools. So, I mean, maybe I would let him drive at the end of the date. Just yeah. bring a helmet. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Full body padding like I was skateboarding back at Running Creek Elementary. <laughs> um, but yeah, Keith Moon, man, he's insane. He didn't have a hi-hat. <laughs> he just thrashed. All I he know. did was thrash the whole time. He's so good. And I think he tuned all those toms the same. Yeah, I think so, dude. Yeah, they're very, very wet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, man. Travel safe this year. 
I hope to see you somewhere on the um, on the circuit. I hope to see you at a rental car agency. I think that'd be a fun place for us to meet in person. That'd be perfect, man. Who who do you, who's your go to? Currently, it's budget. Budget's great. Yeah, budget. What about you? Hertz. Yeah, number one club gold. You are right on. I think they give that to you after two rentals. It's not like a prestigious <laughs> situation to be in. Well, I hope I'm in a pinch at a Hertz, and you happen to be obviously not waiting in line and you look over your shoulder and you're like and i'm crying or bitching and you're like oh wait whoa, 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 whoa. let me help this guy out get this yeah. guy something nice <laughs> let's get him let's get him in a fiesta you know on me <laughs> on the arm <laughs> all right man thanks again it was great talking to you and congrats on this book uh write another one i am man i'm on it i got great. sixty-seven thousand words thanks and people can still get your book from you directly yeah, right? samtalent.com get a little note I love my note in the book. Yeah, now I just put a QR code on the back of the book. So that like fun note has uh, been replaced by just fucking, you oh. know, digital marketing. My book with that little note is now up for sale on eBay with that information. Oh, good. It, too bad it's signed. There's too yeah. many signed copies. The unsigned copies are worth more. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I had a blast, man. This was a very pleasant experience. Thank you Thanks, for having man. me. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Hope to see you. Yeah. All right. Bye. You know what I mean.
house things with, like, the thing. You know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Hey, are you all right?